Welcome to Closer to the Fire from the Voice of the Martyrs Canada with a focus on the persecuted church and thank you for tuning in. Over the past two decades, one of my goals as a broadcaster, I mean I love to tell stories and as a minister for Jesus Christ is to tell these important stories of our brothers and sisters who are enduring persecution because they love Jesus. So how can we connect the church in Canada and the Western world where we have more freedom to worship, we can go about, for the most part, our Christian lives without, you know, fear of being arrested or physically persecuted for our faith in Jesus. Yes, things are starting to change. There is an erosion of freedom, and, you know, that'll be talked a little bit about in today's podcast. But certainly we have a lot more freedom than our brothers and sisters, say, in northern Nigeria or Pakistan, where there are a very small percentage of the population there, or North Korea. I mean, all over the world... Christians are suffering because they love Jesus. And so how can we bridge that gap? I know that's one of our passions at the Voice of the Martyrs Canada, because there's not the persecuted church and the free church. There's one church. And so how do we practically live out, you know, verses like Hebrews 13, 3, one that we use a lot at the Voice of the Martyrs Canada, you know, referring to believers 2000 years ago that were imprisoned because of their faith. And the Bible tells us, and again, Hebrews 13, 3, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. How does that work? How can we be with somebody that's in prison when we're physically free? Well, that's a part of, you know, when we pray and we seek the Lord and we help and we are, you know, concerned about our brothers and sisters in Christ. And then the rest of it goes on to say, and those who were mistreated, if you yourselves were suffering. I've been praying for Christians uh, that I met 17 years ago in Eritrea that are still in prison today. And you can hear more about that in a previous podcast when we talked about uh, Eritrea. But we're all one body, you know, regardless of our skin color, the language we speak, if we're in Christ, we are one. And in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, probably the verse that I quote, I would say almost every time that I'm speaking in a church, in a conference, or doing media where it's, you know, a broader range of what's going on with a persecuted church, where it says, if one part suffers. So this is the Apostle Paul, 2,000 years ago, writing the church in Corinth, and there was division there, and he's saying, hey guys, we're all in this together. There's just one church, but we all have different functions. So he says, if one part suffers, every part suffer with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, yes, that can pertain into a local congregation. If somebody is sick, yes, you're praying, you're concerned about them, or somebody's lost their job, or marriage breakdown, death, whatever it might be. So somebody in the congregation is suffering, we suffer together. And then it even increases, though, when we think about all of us together, all over the world, part of the body of Christ. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. So on this episode, we're going to hear from the CEO of the Voice of the Martyrs Canada, Floyd Brubell. He'll be in conversation with Matt Tapley. Now, Matt is the lead pastor at Lake Mount Worship Center in Grimsby, Ontario. And they'll be talking about how can we partner with our suffering brothers and sisters in Christ? So how can we be sensitive and aware of the challenges they are facing? By the way, if you'd like to watch that interview, I will put the link in the show notes. So let's now go to that interview with Floyd Brabell and Matt Tapley. And Matt asked Floyd, how would you define persecution? Yeah, so, so I think we have an understanding that um, 
that all Christians live in a, in a world of hostility, right? Mm -hmm. that, that the Bible tells us, we see in, um, in uh, Paul writes to Timothy, right? Anyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And, and so it's, it's a promise that we see in Scripture. We see it all through Scripture, this, this understanding that if we seek to live a godly life, if we seek to proclaim the gospel, if we seek to follow Jesus in this world, that we will face some form of opposition um, of, of some degree. So ridicule, mm -hmm. uh, you might be harassed, mm -hmm. discriminated against. You know, mm -hmm. we certainly see some of that here in Canada. Um, friends may ridicule you, especially if you convert, right? I had a friend who, who was an atheist, converted and became a Christian. And his friends just, just mocked him and said, hey, we always thought you were pretty smart. Like, what are you doing mm. making this decision, right? Mm. So you get that ridicule, you get that pressure. Do we call it persecution? I think you can call it persecution if it is successful in hindering you from proclaiming the gospel. Um, How much of that would depend on the strength of the individual versus the intensity of the persecution in terms of making right. that d defining line because I think like you said there's opposition and ridicule but obviously you know if we were continuing on a scale there there are people today yeah. paying with their lives or under threat of uh, injury harm to themselves or family members because of their f like and I think the definition that we would be working toward is right. exclusively because of your faith in Christ, right. not not some other, uh, you know, there are other wrong, you know, reasons to right. be, uh, you know, brought harm. But right. be specifically, we're talking about because of faith in Christ. Right. So someone might say, well, yeah, I felt intimidated and, and we kind of... Um, in in Canada, and I hope this isn't too uh, controversial of a statement, but it seems like there's a little bit more of a, a victim mindset toward right. you know someone unfriended me, some someone you know wasn't friendly to me, right. um, and when we put that on the scales of uh, you know someone who was you know jumped and beaten or right. threatened, um, I, I think we could all agree that that the scale tips towards the one who's really right. under physical threat right. and you know so so i guess i'm i'm getting at as we're de defining this that there's yeah. there's some dividing lines where we kind of have to say i think when we say persecution maybe we should reserve that term mm -hmm. for the more mm -hmm. uh intensive end as opposed to the lower end which may be more right. opposition or ridicule right so Richard Wernbrandt, um, he related this way. He said, uh, just like people are born in different climates, we see this for Christians around the world when it comes to the issue of persecution. Okay. So some are born in tropic regions and some are born in Arctic regions, right? So the, so the people that born are, are in tropic region, uh, regions might suffer the light afflictions of, of rain, of persecution. Um, they, they can... You know, they don't need additional help. Uh, the church in that area can, can have no problem um, encouraging each other through it. They can continue to proclaim the gospel, right? But then there are those that are, are, are born and under, uh, in Arctic regions, they are under the heavy snow and they, drud they trudge through heavy snow. Mm. And so his comment was that we shouldn't judge each other's persecution. Okay. Like only the Lord knows what we can endure. Only the Lord knows why he's put us in this environment, right? We right. need to be faithful to him regardless of what we, what pressure we face. Right. 
But those that are born in tropic regions must remember those that trudge through heavy snow. Mm. And I think this is, this is where um, Voice of the Martyrs comes in and other organizations that work with persecuted Christians. We seek to remind the church in Canada that while we may face opposition, while we may face some uh, lighter degrees of persecution, we have to remember those that are in places like Pakistan or Nigeria or North Korea um, because they feel like they're forgotten, hmm. right? The enemy's strategy in persecution in, in places, and, and Richard knew this because he was 14 years in a communist prison, a large part of that in solitary confinement, feeling like and having the enemy whisper in his ear that he's cut off. Hmm. Whether it's, it's Satan whispering in his ear, or whether it's communist officials that say, nobody loves you, no one remembers you, you're, you know, no one cares about you. Hmm. Well, that plays into not only your psyche, but your spirit. Your spirit can soak that in and go, have I been forgotten? Right. Am I cut off wow. from the body of Christ? And, and I don't think in Canada we can fully understand and grasp what the, the feeling might be of, of, of being forgotten, being neglected, being, being actually cut off from the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And the people that we interact with internationally, um, they feel that way. When we come to a place, some little village in Ethiopia, and, and you know, I, I'm a six foot five white guy and I try to blend into these cultures and <laughs> yeah. not successfully. But when they see me and they say, why are you here? And we say, we're here because we have heard of your suffering. Boom. Oh, wow. It just, it just makes all the difference. And wow. you you've come from thousands of miles away right? because you've heard of our suffering and you've come to visit us, you've come to be with us. And, and I say, yeah, and we have a message. You know, we represent not just us, we don't even represent our ministry, we represent the church in Canada who knows of your suffering and we want you to know that you're not forgotten, that you're part of the body of Christ and that we're praying for you. Mm. Suddenly that just that those words in themselves bring so much encouragement and light because they realize that, yeah, they're not alone, mm -hmm. that they're part of this bigger family. Right. And uh, yeah, it makes it, all the difference. It, it does. And, you know, I think it's interesting. Like I like that word picture that uh, Richard Wormbrand used, like the kind of that climate picture yeah. to paint. Uh, you know, th there's there's varying degrees, but how can the person in kind of t-shirt and shorts, weather, right. remember the Arctic trudging, uh, you know, kind of through the snow. I, I think it, it's, it's interesting the, the perspective that I think needs challenge, I guess, is becoming maybe a little more absorbed in whatever it is I'm in and what, what I'm living in is, is very in my face. It's, it's what I'm trying to get through. And, and I think what, what I gather, the voice of the martyrs, what I'm, what I'm hearing from you, you're trying to help people in their climate think and feel a little more, be, be, take whatever level of mm -hmm. persecution, adversity you've experienced, mm -hmm. and then, you know, kind of lay that, you know, l translate that, I guess, a bit right. toward, listen to what's happening, because what you're talking about isn't historic persecution. Right. We're talking real world situations in like right. you're saying pakistan ethiopia uh nigeria where, where where there is some 
in serious yeah. tension. I, yeah. This this past couple of years, like Nigeria, for example, just yeah. the uh, churches that have been surrounded and. You know, like, I just saw a report: um, uh, 1,400 Christians killed in the last four months in Nigeria. And we're, I mean, I'm not hearing that in my newsfeed. No. And, and how many how many members here in Lake Mount? Yeah. Right. That's that's like our church wiped out. Yeah. 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 And yet in, in our church family, uh, people, people with family in Nigeria, very, yeah. very close, very, very much a sense of this is not a, a distant story. And I think I think we're in a unique moment in history right. where the global village uh, isn't just wow. It's easy to travel places, you know, COVID notwithstanding. But 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 it's it's not just about it's easy to travel places, but the the world is closer. And and how do we yeah. bring these stories and these these uh, needs and what's going on closer? Because again, there's yeah. a sensitivity as well. We can't um, um, give give away certain degrees right. of confidentiality. And so I'm sure that's some of the tension that you have to. Yeah, Russell through. Yeah, and and so I, I think as much as possible we need to hear their stories, and and that's certainly what we tried to do. We tried to bring the stories, uh, you know, to to the Canadian church, um, so that they can learn. Who better to learn from, right? I mean, right. we can look at Fox's Book of Martyrs, which I think we should be doing. We should be reading, you know, early church history. We should be reading those that you know um, um, continue to live faithful Christian lives in the, in the face of great opposition and persecution, even to the point of death. But we have our modern day uh, witnesses mm -hmm. that their voices need to be heard. And I think where we can tell the story, we'll tell the story. And, and, and I think then, as we hear their stories, then it, it's like, okay, what's the application for us, right? So, uh, for example, I went to an orphanage in India and they're all girls. And so to be accepted into this orphanage, one or both of your parents have had to been martyred for their Christian faith. So most of these girls are there, both parents have been killed. So um, we meet with the director and we just start talking to some of these girls. And it's always very tricky because, you know, they tell their story and, and many of them, they relive the trauma and, and you, you don't want these kids to go through this, right? But, but some of these kids are willing to tell their story. They want to have their stories heard. So one girl we met is a girl named Rose. Rose is, I think at that time, was about 13 years old. And uh, her dad had been a, a strong Hindu, uh, converted to Christianity. He owned a shop in the village. And he was so excited about his newfound faith, so convicted that this is, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And mm. so he, anybody that came into his shop, he started telling them about Jesus yeah. and people got interested and they started checking out the, the local church there or, or they started, you know, visiting and and uh, and people uh, he started, you know, people started coming to know the Lord and uh, uh, so much so that some of the leaders uh, in the village were were quite upset. And so they approached this man at his shop and told him that he needed to stop preaching, stop trying to convert your your fellow citizens like like just do your if you want to be a christian that's fine just keep it to yourself mm. but he said if you know the truth how can you be quiet if you know the truth wow 
how can you be quiet? And so he continued to preach. And they threatened him. They said, like, we will attack you. We will, we will attack your family if you keep this up. And he, he, just, he just continued to preach. Hmm. And they, they, made, they made good on their threat. They, they came to a store one day and they, they beat him um, uh, severely. Uh, and so much so that on the way to the hospital, he died from, from the head trauma that he had taken on. And, and the director of this, this camp, uh, it just happened to be very close by to where, where this orphanage was. Uh, and so he met with the family, and there were two boys, and he took care of their education. But he brought Rose, who was the daughter of this man, uh, to, his, uh, to his orphanage. And so Rose is sitting here, just like you and I are having this conversation. I'm listening to Rose, and she's telling a story. And she's telling the story of how her father died, and she just suddenly stops and just puts her hand to her face and she starts weeping. And I'm like, oh, wow, what have I done? You know, what have we done asking this girl to tell this story? And yeah, of course, not a dry eye in the room, but she regains herself and she picked herself up and, and, and finished the story. And so I, I asked her, I said, Rose, how do you feel about the men that killed your dad? And she said, I forgive them. And I'm like, wait a minute, you forgive them? Oh. Like, I, I'm, I'm still ready to hunt down the guy that, that cut me off at the Tim Hortons line. Right. Like, right. you forgive the men that killed your dad? How, how can you forgive them? Mm. And she said, well, how can I hate them? They didn't know what they were doing. Where have we heard uh, that before? Wow. And how old was she? 13. Wow. Her goal at that point was to become a Bible teacher and to take the Bible to the very village and to the very people that killed their dad. Now you take that story and you bring it to the average Canadian Christian in whatever opposition and if they want to call it persecution, whatever. You say, okay, here's a girl that saw firsthand and tasted martyrdom, attack, yeah. persecution. Yeah. And is continuing to be faithful to proclaim the gospel. So take whatever we're facing. Why are we getting all bent out of shape? Mm -hmm. Why are we getting all frustrated? Why do we feel we have to hunt down government officials and advocate? I mean, there's a place for that. Sure. But why do we feel that that's the first thing we need to do? Right. Right. The first thing we need to do is keep, keep our eyes on Jesus and keep proclaiming the gospel. Right. Yeah. That's what he's called us to do. If, if, if we're going to be followers of him, take up our cross, and follow him and i think that when we hear these stories we begin to understand really what it means to take up our cross i think i think that's been a great slogan that we use here oh right. we got to take up our cross we got to follow jesus but we don't know the implications of that here it's a figure of speech to our manner of thinking yeah. but taking up the beating to the head is yeah. taking up the cross like the, like her yeah. father experienced right it's a great line in a song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was, I think, another song I remember, and, and I don't want to knock the song, but, but it was said, I want to live the adventure of Jesus, right? I want right. to heal people. I want to do this and work miracles. And I'm like, the adventure of Jesus, do we know the adventure of Jesus? It was marked with suffering, if we read Isaiah. Like, yeah. That's Man what we're going to be. That's the adventure of Jesus, right? Yeah. Are we willing to expend our lives that way? And I think if, if, if we're coming to that willingness to expend our lives this way, 
then it doesn't matter what kind of opposition or persecution we face, right? We just we just continue to be faithful, right? So you you tell that story about Rose, a 13-year-old girl, just operating in a level of um, spiritual maturity, yeah. uh, grace, uh, an attitude where there's a depth of compassion and forgiveness that you just see as the fruit of the Spirit yeah. in a young life. You tell me a story like that. You tell us a story like that. And and for me, it echoes of people that I've met, mm. um, you know, in in Pakistan, uh, you know, through through relationship. I have not been to Pakistan personally, but India I've been to. I've been to Ethiopia. Mm. Um, I've, I've I've had firsthand encounters and conversations. And I'm, I'm curious as you tell the story of Rose and I'm thinking of some of the people that I've met around the world. I'm curious, your, your, I guess, your general description of the, the characteristics of, of the persecuted church, the persecuted individual in the church, mm. are they um, feeling sorry for themselves? Are they, mm. are they victims? Are they fearful? Mm. Are they... Um, what, what, how would you describe the general demeanor of the persecuted church, the persecuted believer around the world? I'm just curious. Joyful and hopeful. Right? I, 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 <laughs> it's humbling. <laughs> it, and, it, and it's not like they want to be persecuted. No one no, wants to be no, persecuted. No one's, no one's going outside, hey, today I'm just going to be persecuted, right? Um, no one wants that. Um, but, but they... <laughs> I met a I met a, um, uh, in Ethiopia. I met a group of teenagers. They'd converted to Christianity, and they had to leave their village. They got booted out by their family because their family was hunting them down. They were going to hunt them down, and uh, and try to forcefully convert them back uh, to Islam. Mm -hmm. And um, so they had to leave their village, and so they, they went 50 kilometers to another village, which is a long way in Ethiopia. Not much for us, but a long way in Ethiopia. So I, I, I asked them, I said, well, so you guys are young people. You, you've converted. Like, you're happy. Like, you're, 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 you've been kicked out by your family. You're now in another place. And you seem, you seem happy. He said, we're happy because we're following Jesus. Like we, we know that um, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're on the right path. And mm. I said, okay, so where I come from, there's this thing called peer pressure, right? That, that we don't want to be different mm. than, than our neighbors. We want to fit in. We want to, you know, we want to uh, get along with everybody, right? So, so you guys have gone against the predominant religion in your village, you've been ostracized, you've been, you've been chased down. If you go back, you could be killed, right? So um, how is it that you've decided to follow Jesus, right? And, and they look at you like you're kind of strange, like yeah, obviously we're not, I'm not getting something, right? Mm. And you realize, and what they told me was like, well, we knew this was going to happen the moment we said we want to follow Jesus. We knew this was going to happen the moment we were baptized. Wow. That, you know, we, we, we gave up our lives, right? Wow. And so now to be persecuted, um, to taste some of the suffering that Jesus faced, yeah, that makes us happy. Wow. That makes us joyful. Wow. And 
Yeah, so the church in the, in the new communities, taking them in and discipling them, young believers, right? So they're still learning, they're still growing. But already they have this, this depth of understanding of what it means to take up your cross, what it means to follow Jesus. And I think that um, maybe that's a little bit missing in our discipleship process here. Yeah. You know, in, in, in our Western society, it's, it's all about self-preservation, right? It's, it's, it's taking, care of, taking care of ourselves, making sure we have our retirements uh, in, in place. Like it's, and I'm not saying any of these things are wrong, mm. but I, I think sometimes that, that can um, delude us into this, I don't know, this, this false sense of security that we have. Mm. And then when we see some of these things erode, we begin to freak out. Mm. And, uh, and I, I think that we just need to realize that um, our security is in Christ alone, right? Mm. That he is sufficient. Uh, if we have Jesus, then we have everything. And I think that's why you see, and the Christians that you've met, why are they happy? Why are they joyful? Because they found Jesus. What else do they need? Right? So, so really, the, the, the need that we have for an awareness of what's happening around the world. If, if, if I'm hearing you right and, and kind of what is my growing sense, uh, you know, in my faith journey and having had the privilege to be in a few different places where persecution is a reality in that more intensified definition that we've worked through, the need that we have here in Canada, the need that we have for a, a deepened awareness isn't so that we have a sense of pity for our brothers and sisters right. around the world, but it's more so that, uh, so that, tell me what you think of this. Yeah. It's more so that we pick up some of the strength of faith that persists under pressure so right. that we maximize our witness here in this environment. Right. And then and then what else? How, how, how right. else can the, the church here, how could someone watching right now say, here's what I want to do to be, um, uh, an advocate, uh, uh, you know, I obviously pray, yeah. uh, what are the, what are the things, what are the ways, you know, um, you know, and, and not taking that as a shameless plug for voice of the martyrs. I yeah. have you here for a reason. Yeah. I want to know, yeah. like, wh what are the ways that we could really be, be not just informed, but mm -hmm. be active in what we are learning and how to, mm -hmm. How to do, you know, the Hebrews 13, 3, mm. three mm -hmm. you know, 3, 3 thing, mm -hmm. you know, like do we, yeah. we really want to be there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I'm encouraged to meet a number of the missionaries that, that Lake Mount supports. And so already by the work that they're doing, I know that they're interacting with persecuted Christians just in the countries that they serve. And I think um, hearing their stories more often is very important. So I think supporting... Uh, ministries that are active in in where, where you know there's this overlap and, and they're helping brothers and sisters uh, in in countries that are hostile to the gospel. Um, you know, Voice of the Martyrs. Richard Wernbrandt didn't set Voice of, of the Martyrs up to be a rescue mission, right? He didn't right. say we need to go find all the persecuted Christians in the world mm. and bring them to the freedom and safety of of the West, right? Mm. Uh, open doors, right? Uh, start a ministry, Brother Andrew. He doesn't go and say, "Let's bring all the persecuted Christians to the West, and then we'll give them Bibles." He goes, "No, we're gonna, we're gonna take Bibles to them, where they're suffering. Why?" I think, I think this is where, and I think 
you know, groups like Bible League, they do the same thing, bringing Bibles uh, not only to, to unbelievers that, that need God's Word, but to churches, to Christians yep. that are longing for a Bible. Yeah. Why? Because the church needs to be there, mm -hmm. right? Um, they need to grow in their faith. Richard, Richard said the only way that we can combat uh, communist ideology is by the Word of God. So get us Bibles into these countries. Hmm. So Bibles is still a huge request from okay. persecuted, for, well, not only persecuted Christ, Christians in, in countries like India and, and, uh, and Ethiopia and, mm -hmm. and around the world. They're, they're longing for a Bible. You know, we've, we've met Christians that have never owned their own Bible. Hmm. Maybe a portion of it, maybe not even that. Hmm. So Bibles are still in huge demand. So getting Bibles, you can't go wrong by getting Bibles into, into these countries. Yeah. And the more difficult it is to get Bibles into those countries, support, support those projects. But other, you know, other projects where we're coming alongside Christians in their, in their time of great need, um, you know, we do projects that are, uh, so in Nigeria, we're helping widows rebuild their lives. Most mm. of, most of the, um, a lot of them, husbands are killed, the breadwinners killed. And so we're giving, you know, working with skills training and, and helping to, to build some resiliency, helping to be able to generate some income so they can take care of themselves and, um, you know, generate an income, take care of the kids. You know, we, we help them out a little bit by, by putting their, their kids through education, through, through school, um, things like that. So family of martyrs. Uh, children of martyrs, those type of things, equipping the saints. So we're, you know, so we have um, uh, supporting a number of, of Bible college students that mm. they just wouldn't be able to afford a Bible college education on their own. There's, um, there's a quote, um, it's from another, I keep quoting Open Doors, but that's okay. There's a, a, an Open Doors guy, uh, Ron McMillan, that says, one of the best ways to combat persecution not defeat it, because biblically we know that we, we won't defeat persecution. One of the best ways to combat persecution is to raise mature disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm. So why do we come to persecuted Christians in the context of their suffering, in, in the midst of their hostility? It's to let them know they're not forgotten, and then to give them the tools they need to do the work of the church. Because yeah. we believe that the, the best hope for the nation uh, wherever the persecution is, is a vibrant church that is growing. Local churches that are, are flourishing and growing and yep. expanding, yep. reaching out and being salt and light. Yep. And, and so I think you see, why are, they, why are they happy? I think you see that in many cases, when they see the church begin to grow, when they see God blessing their work, mm beyond their wildest imagination how can you not be happy and yeah. then and you know pastor matt when you sit down and you listen to that and you see that the fruit of that you come back from that so how can you not be changed yeah right and so how then can we bring this this good fruit and bring it here right and say take this stuff right yeah, ma maximizing the freedoms that we have for kingdom purpose not right. for self-interest right and i i think you know we know biblically um, that the the church being persecuted uh, in the book of Acts was actually when the church grew right. and flourished. Yep. They they despite the fact that Jesus said go in all the world, they were yep. kind of stuck in Jerusalem. And when the persecution began, they took the message with them as they fled. And right. and so it's not that God sends it, but He certainly works 
right. in the midst of it. I remember, I remember being at a conference probably about 20 years ago. You might remember the uh, transformation video. Do you remember mm -hmm. where right. they were showing about communities yeah. that had been transformed by the gospel? And, and there was a pastor who uh, in Colombia spoke up against the cartels, lost his life. Yeah. And his daughters, I don't forget their names because the name of my daughters is Abby and Sarah. And uh, the one daughter, uh, Abby, came and spoke at this conference that I was at through translation yep. and just talking about persecution, talking about what was happening there, talking about safety, talking about, and so someone, it was Q and A at the end. So someone asked the question, they say, you know, are, are you thinking of staying here or maybe in the United States right. instead of going back? And you know, as the translators getting, as soon as she caught the gist of what they were, she's shaking her head, no, no, no. And then she looked at the crowd, I'll never forget, she looked at the crowd and, and she said, you have it too easy. Right. You, you have it too easy and, and it's, it's lulled a sleepiness yeah. into the spirituality of the Canadian church. Right. And I don't want to lose an edge. I want to be on the front line for God. Yeah. And I, th I think that for any that are, are watching and listening to this discussion right now saying, God put me on the, on the cutting edge of yeah. the kingdom. I, I want to be on, on, that, on that front line for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, it, it isn't just whatever you can post or, or the, the message that you can share in, in a more insular world, but it's connecting to yeah. our brothers and sisters. I referenced before, maybe we can pray together as we come mm -hmm. to the conclusion, but Hebrews 13, three, I was just, you know, mm -hmm. as I was preparing for this, you know, the scripture came to mind, remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners yeah. and those who are ill-treated as if you yourselves were suffering. Right. And that really is the essence of the compassion of Christ. What you're going through isn't, whew, thankfully it's you. Right. But it's, I want, to, I want to walk in your shoes if I can. I want to put myself in that emotional space. I want to respond to your need the way that I wish someone would respond to the need if it were me right. in your plight. Right. And uh, I, I hear that in your heart as you're sharing, Floyd. Yeah. And, and I think this conversation is so important for us in this cultural moment here in Canada yeah. where we might be borrowing language about persecution and applying it to inconvenience or yeah. uh, political preference that we don't enjoy. Yeah. But the realities that we're talking about uh, globally yeah. that require us to take this mindset this prayerful attitude yeah. and then also uh, not just awareness but taking action yeah. coming alongside agencies yeah. like you've mentioned obviously voice yeah. of the martyrs open doors bible league yeah. uh you know mission partners that are part of this house yeah. and wherever but how we can um be a part contribute and ideally even go at yeah. some point come yeah. alongside yeah. be in that environment yeah. Yeah. um Anything else you want to say to our church family about yeah, this? Yeah, I mean the Hebrews thirteen three, right? The as if part. I mean mm -hmm. that that's that's the for me those are the two words that that really stand out, right? And so, you know, the number one request is persecuted from persecuted Christians is that we pray. Mm. Um, so we pray for them, right? So we pray that the Lord would protect them, the Lord would watch over them, that the Lord would keep them, the Lord would bless them, the Lord would you know, further their ministry, right? That the Lord would um, 
give them everything they need to, to, to do the work, right? Uh, so praying for. Uh, but they also ask that we pray with them. Mm. And I think there's a subtle difference there, right? Because when you pray with them, then you're doing Hebrews 13.3, right? You're, you're praying that, that we would be faithful, as faithful as they are, in proclaiming the gospel to our neighbors, to everybody within our sphere of influence, uh, willing to pay the price that they're willing to pay to make that to get that done, and that becomes a powerful prayer. So mm. it's not just, Lord, do this for them. It's like, no, Lord, do this for us as yeah. we together, as as what you've called us to, step out into this world and make you known. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'd like us to close that way, close this discussion, praying with, yeah. um, with our brothers and sisters, and and as we're kind of carrying this conversation, and and you know, uh, these you know, Rose's face is in your mind as you're telling yeah. that story, and different pastors and leaders that I've met around the world, just you know, coming to my heart and to my mind. My prayer uh, is that as as we close out this time together that we would make room for the Holy Spirit to do that work in us, mm. you know, in, into your heart watching right now. Mm -hmm. If you've tracked all the way to this point in this video, why not join with us right now as we just pray and uh, pray for not some historic issue, but an mm. ongoing reality mm -hmm. of, of people around the world um, paying with their lives at times, but under threat of physical imprisonment, torture, yeah. separation from family, but yet counting it the privilege to declare Jesus. Yeah. Let's pray with them. Would you yeah. lead us in yeah, prayer, sure. Floyd? And, yeah. and uh, let's join together and yeah. agree. Thank you. So, Father, we thank you that your presence is here with us, God. Mm -hmm. uh, we thank you that for even those that are watching and listening, whether they're sitting in a room by yourself, Father, we just pray that they would sense your nearness and your presence with mm -hmm. them. Uh, Father, we know that uh, the testimony from our persecuted brothers and sisters is that in their times of, of deep despair, in their times, their darkest moments, in the times where they almost feel like giving up and throwing in the towel, Father, they, they sense your presence. They, 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 they know that you are with them. They find a strength that they, they never knew that they had. And Father, we... It's just such a powerful lesson for us that when we are in our moments of despair that we can find rest and comfort in you. And so, Father, together with our persecuted brothers and sisters, Lord, we pray that we would pick up the mantle, mm -hmm. that we would um, know what it means to, to take up our cross, Father, and follow you uh, into a world that's hostile mm -hmm. and into here, into where we are planted, where we are grown, where you have us, Father. You have us here for a purpose and for a reason, and that is to be salt and light in our, in our community and to, to proclaim the good news of the gospel, to proclaim uh, your name, Father, above all other names, above all other systems, above all other ideas, of all other ways of thinking, God. I just pray that you would uh, continue to transform your church around the world, Father, that we would be able to uh, shine your light for your glory. Mm. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, along with our brothers and sisters who are, even now, um, I know of, of friends, people that I've met, sitting in a, in a, in a prison cell, who are continuing uh, to minister. 
Father, the fact that they're in a prison cell doesn't stop their calling. Mm. They continue to minister, God. I pray that you would give us that boldness, give us that, uh, that courage, that, that um, uh, desire to press through whatever opposition uh, seeks to hold us back, God, that we would not be timid in our faith, Father, but that we would be bold witnesses for Jesus, not an in-your-face type of thing, not a, uh, a flaunting sort of thing, but, Father, just a, the way that you ministered, God, that we would learn uh, from you and be able to speak uh, life into uh, some desperate situations that we, we see in the world today, God. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray um, that as you equip our persecuted brothers and sisters, Father, that you would equip us, God. Lord, I pray that we have a greater sense of the suffering of our brothers and sisters, not so that we would pity them, but that we would, we would gain from the, the mm -hmm. strength that they have found in you. And Father, that we also would find great strength uh, in your presence uh, to proclaim your name and to live that godly life in Christ Jesus that Paul has encouraged Timothy to do, mm -hmm. encourages all, all of us to do. Mm -hmm. Lord, we know that we can't do us on this own, so we pray that your Holy Spirit will just uh, transform us, equip us, and, uh, and just fill us to overflowing so that we cannot help but tell, like Rose's dad, who mm. could not help but tell, even in the face of, of threats and intimidation, he just could not help but continue to tell people of the truth. And God, I just pray that you would find us faithful in that. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Floyd and Matt. Great discussion. So appreciated the prayer at the end. And that is the most important thing that we can do is to pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters around the world. You know, as the guys are mentioning, yes, we want to get Bibles into people's hands. Uh, we want to get supplies. We want to do teaching. All those things, those are very, very important. But prayer is the number one thing. And if you'd like to find out how you can pray for things that are going on right now in our world towards our brothers and sisters in Christ that are going through persecution, we have what's called the Persecution and Prayer Alert, and it comes out on Thursday, three or four stories, things happening right now. You can sign up at vomcanada.com. That's vomcanada.com. And I will put that link on the show notes. And also you can watch the interview again on the show notes. And to get a copy of Floyd's book, Trouble on the Way, Persecution in the Christian Life, in which Floyd examines the various kinds of persecution from ridicule to martyrdom that was touched on during the interview. You can find out more about that. I'd encourage you to get it. It's a great book. You can order it. I will put the link on the notes as well. I uh, also did a two-part series with Floyd on Closer to the Fire, so you can listen to that. Now, as Floyd was mentioning about this 13-year-old girl, Rose, from India, I also had a chance to meet with her as well and recorded her story. And I was also impressed by, you know, the faith that she has in Jesus. And, you know, her father was martyred for Christ because of his bold witness for Jesus and Rose just saw what God had done in her dad's life and now determined to serve Jesus and to share about his amazing love and how he changes and transforms lives. It's amazing. We want to continue to tell those stories to inspire us to be strong in our faith so that we also proclaim the message of Jesus. Please tell your friends and family about this podcast, so appreciate that. And remember, the closer you are to Jesus the closer you are to the fire.